Welcome to Stories of Iceland. I would like to start with a quick thank you to André Bernier, who interviewed me for episode 79 of his podcast, The Weather Jazz. Check it out. But this is Stories of Iceland, and this is the sixth episode, and it's called What's in an Icelandic Name? Iceland is in the North Atlantic. Its capital city is Reykjavik. According to Icelandic folk wisdom, a quarter of a person's character is derived from their name. So you might not be surprised that Icelanders take their name seriously, sometimes too seriously. Many of our names are older than our recorded history, and so are our naming conventions. Most Icelanders don't have a family name. Instead, their last name is patronymic, which means it refers to the name of their father. A boy whose father is called Jón would be Jónsson, and a girl would be Jónsdóttir. These words simply mean son of Jón and daughter of Jón. Since the most common Icelandic first name is Jón, we have a lot of men who are called John Jonsson. Through the ages, Gudrun has been the most common female name, so we have had many women called Gudrun Jonsdottir. Though this naming convention is today almost unknown in the English-speaking world, it survives in many surnames. There are obvious examples, such as names that end in the word son, but not everyone knows that Irish and Scottish names that starts with Mac, were originally patronymic. So, someone with the last name MacDonald was the son of Donald. The same system can be seen in the Jewish Ben and the Arabic Bin or Ibn. In some cases, these formerly patronymic names were changed to family names, often when a certain ancestor had earned fame. In Russia, the patronym is the middle name, so Vladimir Vladimirovich Putin is the son of Vladimir. Back to Iceland. While the patronymic system is more common, there are rare cases where names are matronymic. I belong to this group. My last name is Soleerson, which means son of Sole. The only difference is that Sole is a female name. The matronymic style can cause confusion for those who are trying to get by on limited information. This can be seen in most Marvel comic books about Thor, as well as the movies. Thor's main adversary is Loki Löwejarsson. Usually, Löwe is portrayed as being a male giant, but in the original mythology, Löwe is Loki's mother. This is actually an important piece of information since it implies that Loki is not simply male but has a dual nature. 
Sometimes this is interpreted as a reflection on his sexuality. There is another reason why matronymic names could be considered lesser than patronymic. That is, that it could be a sign that the child's father is not known or that he has not recognized the child. In recent years, matronymic last names have been on the rise, often as an expression of feminist leanings. Sometimes Icelanders use two last names, one for each parent. This is the case for the current mayor of Reykjavik, whose full name is Dagur Bergthorsson Eggertsson, though he usually uses the middle initial B. To save myself from repeating the word matronymic ad nauseum, you can assume that when I speak of the patronymic system, I am also referring to matronyms. While people in Iceland never use patronyms to refer to people, it is common for Icelanders abroad, especially athletes, to use them. So the names on players' uniforms, for instance, in soccer, are patronyms. Female athletes have embraced the patronymic dottir as a sort of a trademark. On the other hand, the singer Björk Guðmundsdóttir uses her first name as a sort of mononym to avoid confusion. In many ways, Icelanders are traditionalist, but this is not the only or even the most important reason why we still use the old name in conventions. It is simply illegal to make up a new family name, and it has been that way since 1925, while the Scandinavian countries had mostly outlawed patronyms. For a short while, it had been legal to adopt a new family name, for a steep price. So most of the families who used that window of opportunity belonged to the upper class of Icelandic society. But these were not the first family names in Iceland. Names like Skram, Tulinius and Viem were brought here by officials and merchants who decided to settle here. These men were often well-to-do, and their sons often inherited not only their names, but also their wealth. In contrast, most native Icelandic family names that originated before the 20th century were made up by men who spent part of their lives abroad, often while being educated in Denmark. Many of these names refer to parts of Iceland, fjords, farms, and valleys. So the Vidalin family traces their ancestry to the valley Vididalur. Breiðfjörð refers to the fjord Breiðfjörður, and the Bachman originated from the farm Bakki. The most famous of these is Laxness, whose first member, Nobel Prize-winning author Halldór Laxness, was raised at the farm Laxness. Another convention, which is known all over the world, is treating your patronym as a family name and giving it to your children. This is what Iceland's first president, Svetbjörsson, did. So his son, who is known for his Nazi sympathies, was known as Björn Sveinsson Björsson. Some Icelanders use the naming system that is common with our various cousins and appended a reference to their homes at the end of their names. So the name Bjartni fra Voye means Bjartni from Vogur. This did not catch on. Icelandic family names are rarely passed from husband to wife, especially in the last half a century or so. When it is done, the wife often still uses her original last name, 
since family names are often used alongside patronyms or matronyms. Since married women do not lose their family name, their children often use that family name as well. The fact that it is illegal to adapt a new family name has been criticized for almost a century. The most famous critic is Icelandic comedian Jón Gnarr, who was mayor of Reykjavik a few years ago. His legal name was not Gnarr, and he could not formally change it. But it had been his stage name, so people called him Gnarr. His solution was both complicated and simple. After his term as mayor was over, he moved to the United States and changed his name there. Some Icelanders have bypassed the laws against family names by giving children middle names, which were de facto family names. It is not only in regard to family names that Iceland has been legally traditionalist. We have for years had a registry of names that parents are allowed to name their children. The list mostly includes names that have been used here for centuries. There is an official government committee that decides which names are approved for the registry. To be accepted, a name needs to be able to take a grammatically correct possessive form so it can be used as a patronym. The law also states that names should not be a burden for their bearers. This might seem a difficult clause to enforce, since most names can be twisted for the purpose of teasing and bullying. My own name rhymes with a slang word for a piece of the male anatomy. It also rhymes with the name for school, bicycle, and the unwelcome plant, Northern Dock. Ole, drole, skole, hjole, njole. There are also literal grandfather clauses in the laws, so you can use names that have a proven history in your family. You could also add names to the registry if you have proven that a certain number of people in Iceland have borne the name before. After a series of disputes and court cases, the Committee of Human Names has been somewhat neutered. It still rules on which names are accepted, but everyone knows that by challenging these rules in court, they can be overturned. The simple fact is also that even though the committee might be able to ban a name from appearing on public papers, people can still call themselves whatever they want. I remember a case where a name had been denied, but about 14 years later I heard some teenagers call their friends by this supposedly banned name. The same goes for immigrants who for a long time were forced to adopt an Icelandic name. Most of them never used those names except for official purposes. The disconnect between officially recognized names and the names people use for themselves was also apparent at the national agency that records each Icelander's full name. When the agency digitized its registry, both my grandmothers were suddenly referred to by their long-discarded first names. The registry was also unpopular due to a software design that limited the length that a person's name could be. So if the total number of characters in your first, middle, and last names were more than 31, your name had to be shortened for official records. This took decades to fix. The naming laws have been slowly liberalized. Immigrants can now use their own names and pass them on to their children. 
my two names, Oli and Gnisti, are both very old but not common. They are both included in the so-called recitation of names, which may have been a part of Skalskaparbál from the Edda of Snorri Sturluson. I am named Oli after my uncle, who in turn was named after his grandfather, my great-grandfather. The name is very old and the spelling has changed. The oldest Oli we have stories about is a legendary king of Sweden whose epitaph was the brave. The Norwegian king Olaver Tryggvason is said to have used the name Oli when he went incognito. This shows a long tradition of using Oli as a short name for people named Olaver, and since Olaver is a much more common name, I often have to stress that my name is, in fact, simply Oli. Oli is also known in Denmark, though there it is pronounced Ole. There were likely people called Ole in Iceland from the time of settlement, though it is not until Sturlungasaga when we see the name recorded for the first time. Sturlungasaga, which deals with the turbulent history of the 12th and 13th centuries in Iceland, is a treasure trove of names, and gives us a fair idea of what names were in use at that time. For instance, there is a name called Duvgus of the Sturtlung family. His name is quite obviously Irish and means black hat, which indicate that it was used for boys who had distinctive black hair. A lucky chance tells us that Icelanders at the time still knew this since Duvgus named his own son, who was one of the most famous warriors of his time, Svartöði, which is simply a translation of his Irish name, Svart means black, and Hövde means head. The name Svartöði has not been used in Iceland since the 18th century, but it got a new lease on life in 1978 when a science fiction fantasy movie called Star Wars premiered in Iceland. One of the characters, who you might know, wears a black helmet, and the translator who subtitled the movie called him Svartöði, or Black Hat. Today there is an industrial district in Reykjavik where all the street names end in the word Hövde. So I took it upon myself to petition the city government to change one of those streets to Svartöði. I said that fans of Star Wars would like a street named after Darth Vader, but more traditional Icelanders would like a street named after the warrior Svartöði. This worked and ended up being reported by various international media. So if you do an internet search for the words Reykjavik, Street, Darth Vader, you might find a picture of me with the mayor of Reykjavik, the aforementioned Dagur Bergthorusson Eggertsson, putting up a street sign with a new name. But going back to Svarthöði of the Sturlungate, he had a son who was called Oli. There were actually at least three people called Oli Svarthöðason, one of whom is mentioned in history books as the first Icelanders to die from the bubonic plague in the year 1402. So the son of Black Hat died of Black Death. And, in case you're interested, it is worth a mention that the Icelandic word for Black Hat, that is, a clogged poor, is filapensit which means an elephant's paintbrush. 
This is nonsense adapted from a Danish word for blackhead, which is not related to elephants or paintbrushes. My second name is more unusual. Gnesti means spark, as in a spark of fire. Two Icelanders in the saga bear this name, but it seems to be a nickname rather than a given name. But in the saga of Burnt Njal, a third man is called Brandur Gnestason, that is, the son of Gnesti. We know nothing of him or his father other than he was supposedly in the Fairwildlands when some events in the saga occur. I used this example when I petitioned to ask Gnesti as my middle name. To this day, I am the only modern Icelander to bear this name. During the pagan period in Iceland, there were many names connected to the gods, and most of those names lived on. Parents could dedicate their child to Thor by making Thor the prefix of their name. So there were, and still are, men called Thorhallur, Thorsteinn, or Thorish, and women called Thorun, Thora, and Thorgerður. But there was no one called Thor, Odin, Baldur, or Freya. The names of the gods were off-limits, but names derived from them were common. This didn't change until the 19th and 20th century. Today, there are many people named after the pagan gods. Before I knock the lid onto the barrel, which is an Icelandic saying meaning finishing something, I have to mention nicknames. Iceland and Icelandic history is full of those. Some complement their bearers, while others are obviously derogative. So, Jón the India Traveller is obviously positive, while the right-wing bloggers who called our then-Prime Minister Johanna Sigurðardóttir the stewardess were obviously not trying to be nice. Since Iceland has always been small, nicknames tend to stick and can follow people across the land. The sagas are chock-full of nicknames, and many of my episodes mention them. Sturglunga saga is full of them, but none as mysterious as Oliver Hein Höskuldsson. We have no idea why this 13th century Icelander is known by a Jewish name, and what's worse, we will never know for sure. The Icelandic naming laws are likely to be changed soon. They don't fit in a country which is trying to modernize. They are, for lack of a better word, a bit xenophobic. But it is mostly the reflexive defense of a small country that wants to keep some of its eccentricities in the shadow of more powerful cultures. It is a continuation of the resistance that made it possible for the language itself to survive for centuries of foreign rule. The fact is that you can't and should not force people to adhere to this system. But our naming traditions might still live on, and it is heartwarming to see immigrants voluntarily adopting the patronymic system. This has been Stories of Iceland, What's in an Icelandic Name, and my name is Olignesti Solerson. For more information, you can visit our website, storiesoficeland.com. If you want to contact me, you can use our Facebook page. And please, wherever you're listening, remember to like, subscribe, review, rate, or heart.
or whatever <laughs> this podcast. Thanks for listening.